<laughs> Namaskar, Michael. Namaskaram. <laughs> so in a recent satsang, you said something I hadn't heard you say before, which is since the path is only one, one only without a second is our goal. Likewise, one only without a second should be our practice. And that sounded unique to me because that's making the practice absolute as well as the goal absolute rather than pluralistic, relative, many ways up the mountaintop and all that. Yeah, at least the path should be moving towards the one. That is basically our goal. Well, yeah, the goal is to withdraw from the many back into the one. And so the path has to be withdrawing from the many back into the one. Well, I like the state of oneness is the state of self-attentiveness. So long as you're attending to anything other than yourself, you've got multiplicity. So the path and the goal are one and the same, really. Yeah. A few days ago, someone wrote to me saying he, he wants to meet me so that we can meditate together. I haven't had time to reply to him yet, but I wanted to say real meditation is withdrawing from the many back into the one. So there can be no together in real meditation. So long as there's together, it's not not meditation as in the not meditation in the sense of turning inwards not meditation in the sense of not swarupa dhyana meditation in the sense that bhagavan is talking about yeah but what about the idea of like the buddha the dharma and the sangha when you're looking outward yes but our aim is to look within exactly when you were talking with bernardo there was sort of a misunderstanding that you were trying to get him to go really, really deep. And he was sort of stuck at that ego level of I'm suffering and so forth. But I wish that there were a better way of saying that when you recognize one only without a second, it's sort of the epitome of what an onlooker would call compassion. But you don't see difference between oneself and quote unquote others. There's only yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there needs to be a willingness to let go of our own individual existence. So long as we're concerned about our inner life, there's still an attachment there. It's not, I mean, he was concerned that I was denying the inner life of others. My aim is not to deny the inner life of others, to investigate the reality of the experiencer of the inner life. Yeah, because and it's... When we, when, we, when, we, when we question the reality of the experiencer, obviously that entails in questioning the reality of everything that the experiencer experiences. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if we take all these things for granted, then our investigation is not a very deep investigation. We're still floating on the surface. We're still taking the appearances for granted. Yeah, because I don't think he was wrong on that surface level that it's good to be moral, but you were talking about something much deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... At the level of appearances, obviously, we have to behave ourselves. We have to be, we have to be um, decent people. We have to be kind, considerate, um, 
compassionate and everything. That's that's all of that that's all necessary at the level of appearances. But if we want to go deep, we need to question the reality of this appearance. And it's not just the reality of the appearance we are um, questioning. We're questioning the reality of our self, the experiencer of that appearance. Exactly, and that's the because most important. Because there can't be an appearance without something to which it appears. So exactly. this appearance appears to us. So if we want to know the reality of the appearance, we first need to know the reality of our self, the experience of the appearance. And then there's nothing more helpful, really, than Ekajiva Vada in terms of practice, because yeah. then you're not thinking about others in the world. You're focused on yourself so you can properly practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked a lot well, about the... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Where people get confused about Ekajiva Vada... They, as soon as they hear about Ekajiva Vada, they start asking questions about others, which is missing the point. The whole, we, so long as we see others, in effect, there are many Jivas. At least there's the appearance of many Jivas. Um, but the, the, the purpose of Ekajiva Vada is to draw our attention back to ourselves, to question the reality of ourselves. The one jiva in whose view all the other jivas seem to exist. Well, he was talking about um, Christianity a bit, and there's in the divine liturgy, um, Christians say, you know, forgive me, uh, like I am the worst of sinners. And theologically, like you're not supposed to be judging others. And it, so the, the idea theologically is before God, you, each individual truly is sort of the worst of sinners. In other words, it's meant to sort of heal you and get the bad juju out. And But the, but that way, so to me, it's similar, analogous in some sense to Ekajiva Vada, like we're only focused on ourselves here. No other sinners. I'm the yeah, worst yeah. of sinners. No matter who yeah. I am, I'm the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So. We have to take responsibility for all that we do and also all that we experience exactly and then we have to question the experiencer and find out that brahman is really the source of all that is yeah yeah another question i have is that brahman ultimately is all that is yeah exactly is well, the only from the perspective of ego we call brahman the source but actually exactly. it it the ultimate truth is that Brahman is not the source of anything because there's nothing other than Brahman. From, nothing, only if something has emerged from Brahman can you say it's the source. Exactly. The, everything that has emerged is just an appearance. Nothing has actually emerged. Exactly. And that's a jada, which is what we're all yeah. sort of aiming for, the experience yeah. of a quote-unquote experience of a jada. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, uh, as far as the Bernardo conversation, there does seem to be, I mean, I'm satisfied, but there does seem to be a bit of an explanatory gap, which is like, if it's all appearance, why do I have to behave ethically? And I know you've answered that before to my satisfaction, but there does seem to be a tiny bit of an explanatory gap for someone who's not inclined to accept what you're saying, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any sort of solutions, potential solutions? The... The appearance has its own rules. In a dream, 
if well, in some dreams we can fly, but as a general rule in a dream, if you jump from the top of a tall building, you're going to fall with a nasty bang. So a dream within a dream, there are certain rules that apply. So you have to act, you have to behave according to the, the rules. So we live in a world, there are physical laws and there are also ethical laws. I mean, not that we're being ethical because of laws, but I mean, there are ethical principles, but it's to live a good life. We, we, need to, we need to be a good person. We need to behave in a good way. We need to be kind and considerate and caring. And this, this is just the nature of things. This, isn't, was... this isn't saying it's all ultimately real, but so long as it appears, it seems to be real. So we behave accordingly. And also the one who is behaving, the person who is behaving, the person we take ourselves to be, are themselves a part of the appearance. So yeah, exactly. in, within the appearance, we have to, we, we can't, we can't, we are no, we, we can't um, claim any special privileges. We are just one, so long as we take ourselves to be a person, as a person, we are just one among many of, among the appearances. And also it seems to me, perhaps there's two levels of solipsism, metaphysical solipsism. One is, yeah, eka jiva vada, I am the only jiva as regards my practice, not as regards being social as you've, you've a distinction you've made. And yeah, yeah, also... this is, I, I didn't think of it at that time, but I, the, the term occurred to me afterwards. Bhagavan's uh, eka jiva vada is, uh, is metaphysical solipsism, it should not be confused with social solipsism. Social solipsism is to say, I'm the only person, I'm the only one who matters, I can do anything I like. That is, that is the very antithesis of the spirit of true Ekajivabad, which is all about humility. It's questioning why it is said there's one jiva, not that that one jiva is real, in order to make us, that is, Everything that appears, appears in the view of one. So who is that one? We question the reality of that one. Ultimately, there are no jivas at all. Bhagavan isn't saying that there is one jiva actually exists. He says all the appearance appears in the view of one. We need to investigate who is that one. So Eka Jiva Vara is a temporary truth, let's say. Or a yeah, yeah, it, it, it is, it is a, it's a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. And then another point to make is that when ego goes, you're naturally more compassionate. The idea is we have all the virtues if ego has gone. We, we are possessed of all the virtues, you know, yes. is the idea. Yeah, because ego is the, is the source of all vices. Or, I mean, everything, everything, um, everything negative it arises only from ego. In the absence of ego, there's perfection. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, then the second layer of solipsism... And even uh, when ego is present, the perfection is ever-existent. We just overlook the perfection, but we actually are. That's brilliant. And then the second layer of solipsism, it seems to me, is... So there's one, Ekajiva Vada, provisional truth, or temporary mm. means to an end. And then secondly, even as Brahman, that is a type of metaphysical solipsism. Yeah, yeah, that is the ultimate, yes. And that's a jada or being as we truly yeah. are. Yeah. 
there is always only one I. Now that now we confu have confused that one I with the person we seem to be. But if we investigate this one I, we will find this one I is not actually Rajiva, but it seems to be. It is only Brahman. Yeah, because there's really no snake. There's only the rope. Yeah, exactly. So even speaking of destruction of ego, as you've said before, is really metaphorical because it's not even there at all in the final analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But of course, that's unhelpful for the vast majority because we take ourselves to be this body and we live in this world. And so it's not helpful to say there's no ego. Yeah. Well, it's, it's useful to understand the unreality of ego, but we people with a superficial understanding, they hear Bhagavan says ego is not real. And they think, oh, there's no ego, so I can enjoy my life. <laughs> the, I who wants to enjoy my life is, is ego. The I would experience it, so long as we're aware of the appearance of anything other than ourselves, we we to whom that appearance appears are ego. It's only in the view of ego that the whole world exists. Another thing I would like to talk about is you were recently um, written about in an academic article. How did that come about? I I, I would I would just um, I would just ask to um, contribute to that um, to that uh, journal. It's called um, Spirituality Studies, I think. I was asked to contribute, and as a, as a start, they wanted to, to interview me. So it's, these things just happen. <laughs> That's nice. It would be nice. I think people might like to know about it. That's why I mentioned it. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think if anyone wants to see it, it's called spiritualitystudies.org or something. Very good. Is there anything that you would like to talk about? Everyone asks you questions all day long. Is there anything in particular that resonates for you that you would like to talk about? No. <laughs> if people you... didn't ask me questions, I would happily keep quiet. Okay, well, as regards Bernardo, so the misunderstanding was it's not saying everyone is illusion and it's only you. You're also saying you are illusion. And another thing, you know, at the end of the day, and we need to investigate who we really are. And then also you firmly abide by and advocate for, which was sort of lost in the conversation, Ahimsa, which is non the principle of non-harm. That's your like fundamental ethical principle, Ahimsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't get into right or wrong as as such. The other thing that's kind of missing for someone like him, I think, is okay. Ahimsa is our principle, but and but if everything is a dream, why why are you vegan? <laughs> well, uh, for a very good reason. Um, it's all a dream, but it, a dream always seems real, and. Um, just like our own suffering seems real, the suffering of others also seems real. So we should not inflict suffering on others. And then the other thing is Bhagavan said, when someone is laughing, the Jnani laughs. When he's weeping, the Jnani weeps. And what does he lose? Yeah. How do you interpret that, a saying like that? Well, 
all that is true so long as we so long as we take the jnani to be a body so it's a dream therefore it seems real therefore you have to act as if it's real yeah yeah but our acting is also part of the seeming it's also yeah. part of the appearance yeah and so okay so we hold to ahimsa but but none of that is the real teaching the real teaching is to whom is it appearing and that's the whole point because we yeah. want to get to the deep 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 level exactly exactly and that's our real nature yeah and then we don't see any distinction between self and other well but it, when we when ego is annihilated then there are no others precisely and no world but so long as we rise as ego there seem to be others and so there seem to be distinctions and there also seems but, to be I. But the more strongly we are attached to our identity the more we feel ourselves to be separate from others but the more we we go deep in this practice we are dissolving this um this identification not completely we haven't dissolved it completely but we are weakening the hold of this identification so the weaker this identification comes the less distinction we will feel between ourselves and others that is why uh, uh, um compassion and consequently a himsa comes naturally on this path exactly so it's a rule for outward going minds but when we're inward going we don't even need rules like saint augustine yeah. said love and which you will yeah you but when you're one among many you need rules you need to abide by the rules but when you go within there is no many there's only one and therefore rules become i mean rules themselves are part of the many so you you go beyond rules when you go within so that's not very practical for probably a lot of people but that's the teaching and that's the deepest truth and that's what we're all aiming at eventually it is actually extremely practical because we all what are we all seeking though bernardo seemed to think he's not seeking happiness whether we admit it or not we are all seeking happiness and uh seeking to avoid misery that is our very nature there's nothing wrong with that it's it's our very nature we may say oh no i'm not seeking happiness i'm seeking um i mean whatever we say we're seeking why are we seeking it because it, it will make us it gives us satisfaction and satisfaction is happiness so we are all seeking happiness but we are trying to seek it in so many ways which are impractical because they don't give happiness they don't give lasting happiness the only practical way to experience lasting happiness is to go back within because lasting happiness is our very nature so only by merging back into our own reality can we experience the infinite and eternal happiness that we actually are so this is extremely practical it may not seem practical to those who are very outward going but actually this is the only practical solution and when you say merging into our source and everything traditionally in a western sense we would call that god or some you know 
Yeah, you can call it God, it doesn't matter what you call it. <laughs> There's one thing that is real, and that is what we are returning to. And that and is when... our own reality. It can't be something other than ourselves. If it were something other than ourselves, we would be reducing it to an object. God cannot be an object, because objects are all finite. God is, by definition, infinite, so he cannot be an object. He can only be the reality of the subject. Are you familiar with panentheism? Would you say this is panentheism? Uh, it, 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 in, it includes panentheism. So, so that panentheism means in every, God is in everything. Yes, obviously God is in everything because God is the only thing. God is what appears as everything. So yes, that is true, but the everything is what is untrue. So ultimately we need to go beyond panentheism because there's only one. Now this one is an important second. Now this is an important point. You've said before that because there's a difference between panentheism and pantheism. And you've said that what you're what you're asserting, Bhagavan's teachings are not pantheism. Isn't that correct? Um, yes, because, um, well, these are, these terms are labels and everyone understands in their own sense. In a sense, it is true to say everything is God. But the, God, everything is many. When we talk about everything, we're talking about manyness. God is not many, God is one. So the manyness is an appearance. The reality of the manyness is the one, and that one is what what is called God. And we are that. Yeah. So, in a sense, this is, I mean, uh, Advaita, in a sense, it is pantheism. In a sense, it is panentheism, but it's, it's much deeper than either of them. Okay, because pantheism asserts the universe is God, like, but panentheism is like, it's it's imminent, but also transcendent. It's not reduced to just the universe. Yeah, yeah, well, yes, yes. I mean, God is obviously not limited to the universe, but the universe cannot be anything other than God. Beautiful. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of thorny issues that could have been detangled, but not in a one sitting with Bernardo. But Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I still thought it was a great talk despite the friction and I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think he's wrong on that relative level, but we're looking at Yeah, the yeah. Investors. I mean everyone is right from their own perspective. But it's all just different perspectives. But we our aim is to go so long as we are an individual, we have an individual perspective. But are are we an individual? Is this individual what we actually are? So we need to go beyond all individual perspectives to see the one real perspective, which is one only without a second. And how we know that is by abiding as we really are, because um, I think it's in GVK or maybe Saduom also said, like, if you're looking out, it looks like many things. But when we go within, then we see the one. So you have how we see is through I am, see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
then it becomes clear. But any any amount of philosophizing or thinking about it won't really subside ego. We have to no. die as ego to reveal who we really are, and then we see it as I am. Philosophy is useful to the extent to which it turns our attention back towards ourselves. So long as the philosophy continues encouraging us to look outwards, it's it's it may be useful for mundane life, but it's not it's not ultimately useful. But but only those that philosophy that turns our attention back to ourselves makes us understand. But before we can know the reality of any object, we first need to know the reality of the subject. And then we'll see that the snake is, uh, it's not a snake, it's the rope, and Brahman is the only thing yeah. that is. Yeah, exactly. We can't know that by investigating the world. So people who say science will eventually come to the same conclusion as spirituality, it, it will, because it, so long as you're looking outwards, the more you look outwards, the more you the more you know, the more you you know that you don't know. So science yeah. is never ending because it's looking outwards. Yeah, kind of. You want to put an, an end to all knowledge. Vedanta means the end of knowledge. The end of all knowledge can be found only within ourselves, not outside. And that's precisely. We cannot even find it in Vedanta. We cannot even find it in the Vedas or the Upanishads or the Bhagavad Gita or the Brahma Sutra. Those books are useful to the extent to which they tell us to turn back within. Because it can't be found outside. As Bhagavan says, the, the books are outside. Oneself is inside. The books are outside the five sheets. Oneself is inside the five sheets. So we, you can't investigate yourself in books. So useful to the extent to which they turn your attention back within, which is the ultimate aim of Vedanta, Tattvamasi. Tattvamasi means what? Stop looking outside, look within. And and that, what we were seeking outside of that is only ourselves. So look within. Stop seeking God or Brahman outside yourselves. Look within. Jesus said the same. They will say, look here, look there. But I say, the kingdom of God is, look, see, the kingdom of God is within you. So he's telling us to stop looking outside, to look within. And then when Bernardo tried to assert that suffering, his path is more aligned with Christ, of course, that's mistaken. It's obviously good to have compassion, but it, it's deeper than that. He was talking about I am, and he said, look within to find the kingdom of God. And of course, heaven is the absence of suffering. Nirvana is the absence of suffering. Yeah, so yeah. everyone is looking for. The other thing is how you talk about happiness. It's not, I can, I can relate with what he's saying when he says I can put my hand on my heart and I don't, I'm not looking for happiness. But what, what you're talking about is what is traditionally called God or the presence of God or yeah. I am yeah. or infinite happiness, infinite yeah, satisfaction. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Unending. Bliss. The yeah, I think of God. what he meant, he's not seeking pleasure. Yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He, he said he's looking for relief or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, is an absence of misery, which put positively is happiness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
though. But but that is a little bit confusing with the terminology because when we talk about happiness, you have to qualify it to get at the real meaning. You really mean infinite happiness, unending happiness, unbroken happiness, eternal happiness. Yes. Because yes. if you just say happiness, it can sound like you know McDonald's or something rather than or something trip. In other words, trivial pleasure or yeah, yeah. But that's not what you mean. And so, yeah. but but so. Yeah, there, there could have been maybe five hours of preparation before that conversation or something, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. But obviously we don't wish him ill and we appreciate him and everything. I yeah, hope he's yeah, 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 too yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, obviously he's a good person. He's he's very sincere in what he's doing, which is fine. Everyone, everyone is doing what they're doing. It's fine. Oh, hey, um, Sava Priyananda just gave a talk with um, Ted Henry. And um, he said to Ted that he found you to be a very saintly man. <laughs> well, appearances can be deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> it's very... The saintly people will see saintliness in everyone. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's very nice. More and more nowadays, I feel if people ask me questions, I'm happy to answer. But I really don't have anything of my own to say. The only thing I'm um, I'm interested in Bhagavan's works, and I'm interested in thinking about Bhagavan's works. So I like to talk about them and write about them. So that is the only thing I'm interested in doing of my own accord otherwise um i mean and that i do for my own benefit really so um but because people ask me questions i'm i'm happy to answer as best i can but i must say more and more i've my inclination is just to um be quiet, not to, not to do more and more things. Yeah, I understand. I'm getting more like that too. Yeah. What will happen will happen. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Bhagavan's path is subsiding, not rising. <laughs> okay. Well, you could do it like that if you want. Just peek out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No more. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> okay, right. Thank you.